today on The Friday Fix. I mean, we've obviously got an inordinate amount of data because consumers leaving the footprints all over our website, you know, we can tell what they're looking at, how much they want to spend, you know, whether they're looking at petrol or electric or, you know, so forth. That obviously powers then a lot of our insights and, and shapes the market and we can show what the market's doing. Hello there. My name is Russ Lynch and I'm a director at Powerscorts and welcome to another edition of our Powerscourt Friday Fix podcast. Today, I'm delighted to be joined by Laura Harvey, Director of Communications at Auto Trader, a Powerscourt client and one of the two tech businesses still listed on the FTSE 100. Hello, thanks for joining us, Laura. Hi, thanks for having me on. The reason I was keen to get you on the show was basically to talk about data and how companies can use it to generate content and raise the profile of their business. And I think you'd agree with Autotrader, we've sort of done that in spades. Uh, but as the biggest online marketplace in the UK, Autotrader has masses of data. How important is data to the comms strategy? As you know, it's completely fundamental to our strategy. We position Autotrader as the expert in everything to do with buying and selling vehicles. So we very much adopt that thought leader position. But then, as you say, as the largest player in the market, we have a wealth of data and therefore insights that we can glean from that data. So anything we do say, any points of view we do share, we always make sure that are backed up by data. It's also handy that 30 million people have cars in this country, isn't it, as well, which means that they're always going to be of interest to the media. How has Auto Traders' use of its data evolved during recent years since the pandemic? For example, when some used car prices overtook new and that got masses of coverage in the media. Yeah, we've always shared data. And as I was saying, I think it's also, it's not just data, it's, it is the insight that you can obviously glean from that data. But I think it's fair to say internally, it wasn't always the easiest to get the data. You know, working in, in the media, you know, working with journalists, you get requests in, you know, something happens, you want to be able to share a reaction, you want to be able to get data quickly. You know, your deadlines are really short. So it wasn't always possible to be able to access the data that we wanted. So a couple of things have happened. We've invested in more data people over the years. We've got really focused data and insight teams. And as you can imagine, you know, we, we obviously with the PR team, we work really closely with them to develop stories, but not just stories, it's content actually that we can share across different channels. And obviously media, you know, is a really key one for us. That's definitely helped us with the volume of data. I think the other thing is COVID, absolutely. I mean, COVID was, you know, the, the weirdest time, I suppose, for everybody. And it massively accelerated the need for us to be able to share real-time market data because, you know, everybody was sat at home. You know, nobody, nobody really knew what was going on. They didn't know the impacts of what was going on on their businesses, on the market. So we were able to draw on different data points to share the real time data with our customers, with media, so that actually we could offer a view, not only what was happening, but also what we thought you know could happen, which was obviously extremely helpful for businesses so that they could actually then think about you know pivoting their own strategies. So I don't know if, if you've got the numbers to hand, but I don't know how many sort of requests you get a day or a week for your data from journalists. I guess because of the brilliant job that, you know, we've all been doing, Russ, we are in a fortunate position now where we are certainly seen as the data people for um, the automotive industry. So today, 
I think we probably would average, you know, around 10 requests a week. That's from, from the national press and broadcast press. Not to mention, we probably get the same again, actually, from a, a B2B, from a trade side of things. We actually share a, about three press releases a week on um, on the trade side. They're not actually product focused anymore, whereas they, they maybe kind of were once upon a time. They are far more data and insight driven. So I guess, again, those journalists we're working with, those titles we're working with all the time, like, um, well, in our world, car deal, automotive management, motor trader, et cetera, you know, they know now the data that we have. So when they're writing a story, you know, often they'll come and, and ask us to do some analysis, you know, especially for their titles. Mm. I mean, it's it's absolutely amazing resource that some companies and clients that really have to fight for media attention. And when you have, say, 10, 20 inbound inquiries, like desperate for your data as a resource to, to generate coverage, it's, a, it's an amazing position to be in as a comms professional. It, it certainly makes life a little bit easier from the start of it, doesn't it? I mean, it does. What, what do you think is your most valuable data set? What really has, has generated the most inquiries? I mean, we've obviously got an inordinate amount of data because consumers leaving the footprints all over our website, you know, we can tell what they're looking at, how much they want to spend, you know, whether they're looking at petrol or electric or, you know, so forth. That obviously powers then a lot of our insights and, and shapes the market. We can show what the market's doing. So I'd say our most valuable data set is probably our pricing data. It's the largest, most comprehensive pricing data set for the used car market. We are actually straying into the new car market with data and, and, and our next step is looking at future valuations. The pricing data itself allows retailers obviously to understand, you know, the market, what's going on, because it's fueled by demand and, and supply. Also, it's seen as a key economic indicator for the health of the car market. Bank of England, for example, used the data and we know, you know, broadly economists, lots of our city following, you know, being a PLC wait for that data every month to be able to get a feeling for for where things are at you, you mentioned the forecast so i'm quite excited about that one from a news perspective i think it's that that's going to really open up a new front in coverage and insight massively everyone wants to know what's happening next don't they so yeah well exactly it's forward looking isn't it as a fairly recent x hack it always feels like christmas dealing with your numbers because there's always it's like a treasure trove it's, <laughs> it's there's always something of interest in the media there, are there any particular favourites? I remember doing uh, convertibles in a heat wave and uh, and the, the infamous hearse or the famous <laughs> hearse, I should say. Anything else in the treasure trade of the auto trader data set? I mean, obviously the weird and wonderful. You know, we sell or have sold many, many celebrities' cars over the years. The Queen, a few of her cars. All, yeah, all sorts of Prince Harry, you know, obviously, but not in the controversial phase. Probably would have done better <laughs> the story now. Uh, no, I think actually because of the, the size of the marketplace, because of the number of consumers that are on the site, it's always fascinating to see the impact that big government announcements have. Obviously, you know, example when the government decided that they would ban the production of, of ICE cars in 2030. Uh, well, it was 2035 for a while, and then they made another announcement. You know, it's government, it's councils talking about ULEs, it's petrol prices, it's petrol crisis. You know, you can't get the petrol. Anything like that, we see in real time a huge change in, in consumer behavior. 
And it's always really fascinating to see what that announcement has driven. So obviously, appetite for electric vehicles when electric vehicles are front and centre of the news agenda. You know, you can see the correlation. Yeah, definitely. And and you can use it to news jack as well and things like that. Yeah. It's also the same though. So again, I'd say when Top Gear was in, in its heyday, and, and even now when, when there are car reviews on TV, you can see in real time that the programme may be going out, I don't know, Wednesday night, eight or nine, and you could track on site the cars that were featured in the programme and you could see the spikes in activity correlating to when each of the cars were on screen. That's brilliant for us, you know, for the PR team, because you've got a really timely, reactive, interesting story that we can then quickly go out with. What it comes down to really is, you know, creative thinking plus tons of data equals coverage. It's not really that much rocket science, is it? It's an example of what you can achieve when there's something genuine to offer the journalist. Obviously, some rocket science too, no? Oh, obviously <laughs> rocket science. Yeah, it, it's, it's a highly specialised and skilled process. Um, but thank you for demonstrating the potential and also setting the bar so high for the rest of our clients. So thanks very much indeed for your time, Laura. Thank you. Oh, you're welcome. Thanks. <laughs>